This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome everyone to a special one show only edition of Under the Dome with CD. Do not adjust your radio dial. Do not adjust your mobile app. Yes, it is the famous CD here with you. Louis Prejean on vacation, so that means your boy moved on up to the 9-11 to 11 slot immediately following first cup. So if you're not amped up yet, get ready to be super amped up. Coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful First South Farm Credit Studios. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself and you're making it a good one on this Saturday. This is definitely a good one, I'd say, to say the least, because we had so much great sports talk to get to. We've obviously got the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We've got Coswell Playoff National Championship. What happened last night with the Cajuns? And maybe, just maybe some Pelicans. I'll say this much. Lewis is our diehard basketball guy. And I think he is never going to take a vacation again. His Pelicans went 0-3. But I'm not that guy. I'd much rather talk about the meat and potatoes of the sport of professional football and college ranks as well. This is how I like to do things. If you haven't listened to Under the Dome yet, you are in for an absolute treat. And appreciate you listening in and however you're doing so. Be it through the old school FM dial, the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, sky's the limit, and space is the place. Appreciate you listening in that way. Also, the free mobile app, 1037thegame.com, Amazon Echo, Google Home. Tell your smart speaker to play 1037 the game. It's pretty easy. I think even a Cowboys fan can do it. So make sure you check it out. However, you're doing so because we got a great show planned for you at 11.30. We're going to have on Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast, and also the Canal Street Chronicles. So trust me, we got a big, big show planned for you today. But, of course, we need to get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And we do that with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. Oh boy, the LSU fan base, definitely not a fan of what was going down over in Tiger Country yesterday. That's where we're going to start here. Is that's where the conversation was yesterday afternoon. We talked about it all day yesterday. We were so excited, uh, anticipating the announcement on a Friday afternoon, as expected from athletic departments all across this great country of ours, that Marcus Freeman, 
The LSU Tigers were going to get their guy, Cincinnati defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. But the Tigers missed out on their man. And all I was seeing yesterday was the sky is falling. The sky is falling with many LSU fans across this great state of ours. Because they were outright convinced that Freeman was going to leave Ohio for the boot. Then right around 5 o'clock on Friday, the perfect time to do this, by the way, the swerve of swerves happened with Freeman deciding to go ahead and make the trip up to South Bend to, t- to join the Golden Domers of Notre Dame as their new defensive coordinator. Again, credit to Notre Dame's athletic department for getting the news dump on a Friday at 5 o'clock because th- that takes some massive cojones. And everyone has wondered why. And I think that can be answered with a simple Wu-Tang reference. Cash rules everything around Marcus. Cream, get the dollar dollar bill, y'all. I genuinely think that the Irish threw down more money for him to stick around in the Midwest area because that's where his whole kind of family is. It, it makes the utmost sense for him to be there. It makes the utmost sense for him to secure the bag and stick around in that kind of area. Now, is it the best place for him? I don't know. I think it's definitely going to be a great stepping stone for him if he wants to be a head coach, a lot like that LSU job. But the big difference is there was more money at stake on this. So give. So I think this was the right way to go about it. And I think this is huge for Notre Dame because they have a lot of work to do, especially once they go back to their old ways. They reset in 2021 and go back to being an independent Unless the ACC decides to back up the proverbial Brinks truck to get him to stay aboard. But having Notre Dame and go back to the independent, they've got to make a stronger case of making the college football playoff. And getting a good D.C. is a step in the right direction because every time they go in there, they need to do a little more than get embarrassed by Alabama every time they make the CFP or lose their behinds off when they play a Clemson in a title game with Trevor Lawrence in-house. And mind you, the first go-round, they didn't lose because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. We're talking about Clemson now. Clemson lost. Because the defense was a little bit underwhelming against a Notre Dame program that definitely felt like, you know, was a little bit above the proverbial punching weight. But again, you've got a Broyles Award finalist this year in Freeman. And this guy was not going to be Go out, get God on the cheap. I'll put it that way. But now comes the real test for Ed Ogeron. Because he's going to have to try and find the right guy after his number one went to another school. Went to another team. A lot like what we heard with all the rumor in your window with LSU a few years ago. This is, a, not, this is not too long ago, folks. When LSU had the decision to either promote Ed Ogeron to just a full-time head coach from interim. Or get a guy like a Tom Herman. Tom Herman was the guy everybody and their mama was talking about. And it felt like there was some legitimate kind of stuff going on. But trying to be a smokescreen, and Tom Herman went to Texas. And we all know how that went. We got Steve Sarkeesian now, and that's the end of that story. But this hire has to be the right guy. Or it could be curtains for Ogeron in the not-too-distant future. And I'll add this to it. It's more about if that dark cloud around LSU right here, right now, gets murkier as the months do go on. Overall, I think they nailed it with their offensive hires this week in Pete and Mangus, but the offense wasn't the problem in 2020. 
O wants to say they want to go back to the 2019 offense. It's kind of skirting the main problem this past season, and that was the defense under Bo Pelini. He fired Bo Pelini, made the right decision there. But there are still some solid choices in there to choose from. And it'd be interesting to see the route that they go. We see Ed Ogeron do it time and time again, where it's been guys largely inside. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. The inner circle. It's the inner circle of trust that LSU has and Ed Ogeron has. All of his guys, all of his people that he has signed up, ready to go. That's where the conversation has always been. What is Ed Ogeron going to do? Is he going to go inside the circle of trust and get a guy like Aaron Glenn? He played for the Saints on the D-line back when he was a D-line coach for New Orleans. Don't forget about that little snippet. Or could it be the best candidate available? I see a lot of names being bandied about. I was seeing something uh, our guy Shade Dixon put up on Go 24-7 Sports. And I recommend you go check that out because it's pretty darn good. And it's all about, you know, guys like Mississippi State's Zach Arnett. UAB's David Reeves is an interesting one. But I'll throw this log on a fire and say, why not him? Patrick Tony. Now, before everybody comes over to the first South Farm Credit Studios and starts to kind of walk around with pitchforks and it's just absolutely the numbers pop off the page for me. Tony's defense for the Cajuns this year allowed an average of 22 points per game, 31st in the nation, ranked 33rd nationally, 33rd nationally in total defense. Yes, total defense. Tied for third in the country in interceptions. That's something that you want to have if you're LSU right now. I think Patrick Tony could be a great get for this program. Is he going to be the be-all, end-all, and fix this entire bleep show that is the LSU defense? I don't know. But I don't think Ogeron would poach from within the state. But it's something to at least think about. Is I think the Cajun's defensive coordinator, and maybe, maybe this is Homer Radio, I don't know. I don't feel like it's Homer Radio, but I think he's absolutely has been a great defensive coordinator over the past couple of years. He has proven himself to be worthy of a bigger role, and I think he absolutely can and will be that guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he can very well be in this conversation that we are having right here, right now, involving the future of LSU football in terms of your defensive coordinator. Because this is a hire you have to knock out the park because this program can't afford to have another lame duck season in my mind. I mentioned earlier, LSU has had bad seasons, but that was one of the worst seasons of all time. Yes, you finished at 500. Congrats, good for you. But it's not good enough in the sense of how much people love the LSU Tigers and how much people root for LSU. And we're going to kind of just think about all these questions and so much more over hopefully the next week or so. We wind up finding out sooner rather than later which way LSU goes with this coaching hire. And that was your Saturday Sports Sermon. Now we're going to get over to the Twin Peaks Hotline and talk with our First caller of the day. Hello, you're on Under the Dome, taking over for Unprompted this week. 
Yes, um, good morning. Good morning. So you're, talking about L- you're, you're talking about the LG Tigers um, hiring someone off of the UL staff. Um, you say you, it may sound like home radio, and it, it does because you've got to keep in mind the gentleman may be great at his job, not knocking him whatsoever, but it is a gift some dealt competition. Okay, the level of competition is wrapped up when you go from Sun Belt to SEC, ACC, you know, those type of things. So you got to keep that in mind. I'd agree uh, with you, but at the same time, they beat Iowa State 31-14 in week one. That's saying something. You were able to hold a Big 12 team, a offensive heavy type team, to 14 points, that really makes me kind of at least at least think about it. I think that would be an idea. I think he'd probably be at, at towards like the middle of that list for Ed Ogeron. Again, I think Aaron Glenn is a guy that's going to be towards the top of that list right here, right now. And the other guys that I mentioned before, I brought up Patrick Tony. I just mentioned Tony more as a food for thought type thing. Yeah, and, and I can see where you're going with that, but I still would look elsewhere before I would think about getting someone from the Sunbelt School. Well, who, who would you, who'd you want? I had no earthly idea, to be totally honest. Uh, the guy that was out of Clemson, not Clemson, out of um, Cincinnati would have been a good choice, um, but he chose to stay close to home, you know, with family and stuff like that, which is a, um, very understandable. Um, beyond that, I had no earthly idea. And I'm sure the money didn't the money didn't help matters either, right? Well, you know, I guess that was offering the um, same type of money, right? I mean, allegedly, you know, but again, those were some sources that may not have been less than, like, you know, reputable. It's not like we're seeing this from, like, Ross Dellinger, Brooks Cabina, these numbers leaking out. We saw it from a lot of just different, those quote-unquote sources that maybe not be quite as reliable as guys from The Advocate and guys from Sports Illustrated and the four-letter networks of the world. I think there, there might have been a chance where you'd have to kind of Get him on a relative cheap side because again, you got to remember you're you're paying out Bo Pelini's entire salary in one lump sum. Like Bo Pelini just made out with the lottery, and that's where he's at. Then you're also having to pay out Scott Linehan, all these other different deals you're having to make, and at the fact that you're operating at a loss this past season, it seems like you're, you'd have to wind up paying a little bit less than any other year. Yeah, and that's true, but, you know, and that's the other thing. You know, you talk about they're operating at a loss, but yet they still have all these millions and millions of dollars to pay out to these coaches, um, which to me just is amazing that you're claiming that you're going to lost money, but yet you still have. What is the payout for Bo Pelini? The payout for Bo Pelini, I believe it's like $3 million, but, again, that's more of, oh, hey, we've got those – big money people, the boosters that are rallying this money together. You look at, we. I brought up Tom Herman last Saturday. He got fired. A lot of that had to do with the fact that the boosters were up paying up the money to buy out this dude's contract and get him the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> okay, and that's fine. But then again, but, but then I don't want to hear these schools talk about they lost money. If they've got these boosters who are coming and paying out all these um, buying out, you know, paying out the buyouts for these coaches that are being released, 
I don't ever want to hear LSU and all these big-time schools saying, oh, we don't have the money. We, we lost money this season. Oh, LSU made the year before what, about $70 million? The, the Sounds about right. Year, about $70 million. I know Clemson made $77 million the year in 2019. $77 million just off the football program. So LSU has had to be in the same, same range as Clemson, and they won the title. So, you know, but nonetheless, I still think that they should go beyond. You know, if they, if the guy comes from well and does a good job, then I'll say, well, I was wrong. But I would still say, look elsewhere before you look at things coming And I'm with you. I appreciate the call, though. You know, I think that's it's just, again, this is just purely a food-for-thought type of conversation about who could be the next D.C. I think that's more of a dark horse pick. But you bring it up, hey, you're not going to go get a guy from the Sun Belt. I think, you know, I'm going to go ahead and pull this up right now. Who the. Because I'm trying to remember exactly who the defensive coordinator is. But we're going to take a quick call. Uh, Phil. S- Ron Roberts is the defensive coordinator for the Baylor Bears. Dave Randall, the head coach. So it's not. I, I get where you come from. And it's more about the fact that you have. There, there's something going on in the water, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing goes. This conversation is interesting. We're going to take one more call, then we're going to take a break. Let's get to the the Twin Peaks hotline right now. Hello, you're on Under the, under the Dome. Hello, thank you for taking my hey, call. Hey, Cam, what's up, brother? Uh, not too much. Uh, yeah, certainly that was food for thought. Uh, that's never going to happen. I mean, not with this time, though. He needs a huge splash or his career is going to be over uh, after next season. So you're looking at, like, Barry Odom, somebody that's, big, uh, that's been in the, the major college football to take over the defensive coordinator job. You know, I don't know who they're going to pick, but you need a big splash. I mean, you got one on the offense, but you need a huge one on the defense. They got the players. I've always said this. Even with Les Miles, with his crazy antics, LSU's always had the players. It's about the coaching. So he got to make a splash or his career at LSU will be over. A very shortly. He's got to make a huge splash with all these recruits LSU got coming in and what they already have. And a lot of guys, I was surprised, that are coming back for next year. Man, they ought to be contenders for the national title next year if they get the right coach. All right, so so, so you like, get the right coach. Like, why does a big splash have? Like, why does it have to be a big splash hire? It doesn't have to be this. Like, because I feel because, like big splash hires don't necessarily pan out that well. I think that's no, where I'm at. The thing is, it's, it's not about Ed Orgeron is under the gun. He's got to make a big splash. His career. And LSU is on the line. He can't afford to get some uh, mediocre guy and, and lose again because it's all about the defense. The offense is great. It's just their defense, and he's under the gun. He's under tremendous pressure this year, not years to come, this year. And if he don't get it done, he's going to be fired. I appreciate the call, Ken, and here's the thing. I think there's every reason to think that a splash hire isn't the cure-all. I think you, you brought it up perfectly. They have great players all the way around on this team. I don't think that, like, I'm trying to think of the words. Like, you can say that, on one hand, you've got every bit of talent on LSU's program, on LSU's staff right here, right now. You've got LSU's defensive Grouping is phenomenal. They got all these guys coming back for 2021. 
even if you don't get this quote-unquote splash hire. Remember the last time LSU had a splash hire, and that was uh, Matt Canada? What happened to that guy? That's where I'm at. That's my whole point here. But we're going to take a quick timeout. You're listening to the Dome at CD. We'll take some more of your calls. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what happened last night with the Cajuns game. But, of course, if you want to talk about LSU, we are more than willing to take your call. 337-706-0111. Back after this on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. All right, well, we'll pause the discussion about the – I was going to bring up the Louisiana Raging Cages of what happened last night on the hardwood because that was an incredibly entertaining game. But I'm getting a lot of calls about the opening segment, and I'm loving it. So I'm going to go ahead and keep this train rolling on, keep this train of thought rolling, and we're going to go back to the Twin Peaks hotline. I've got Ron on the line right now. Ron, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Good morning. Happy New Year, sir. Uh, I appreciate uh, it, man. Yeah, I was just uh, well, I, I, I'm, um, I don't agree with the, the previous caller because um, we in, we, we getting into this uh, make a big splash off a of name recognition, you know. Uh, and if you could hire some duck coaches to to be head coaches at Missouri, and I, I you know Bill and Napier and uh, Gus Butler came from Arkansas State. I mean, so I we Carson came came from. Like Arkansas State to Boise State to where he's at now in Auburn, so it's like it's like you can't and Hugh Hugh Freeze now at Liberty he was yeah. at Ole Miss from Arkansas State, so you can't say that going that getting a Sun Belt guy and making that's that's not a splash hire. You're getting the best the best guy available, and I think at the end of the day, there's guys like Aaron Glenn. There are guys who are probably going to be markedly better on paper, but I think there should at least be some, and I say just some consideration. For a guy like a Patrick Tony, I totally agree because if you look at a guy who puts a good defense on the field in the Sun Belt, then you 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 have to give him the, at, at least the knowledge about what would you do with more talent, a more talented defense. Exactly. You know? so we 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 too caught up into this name uh, name recognition and this guy from uh, Cincinnati. Nobody knew about him last year. He had a good year. Now all of a sudden he's hot. We don't know if he's good. Not yet. A good year, you know. So um. I'm with you. I mean, uh, we, we need to get off the name recognition, go hire the best coach that's going to fit what we do and, 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 you know, make our defense as best as we can and forget about the names, you know. Look at look at what he does and, you know, with the talent he has and try to evaluate him as, with more talent, you know. So that's the way I look at it, you know. I'm, I'm with you completely, Ron. Thank you so much for calling in, brother. Okay. And, you know, like here's the thing. And I brought up, you know, the, the splash hires, these guys that are such big names. Like the guys that are continually getting in that conversation of the splash hires, like a Coach Boone, Will Muschamp. That name has been brought up umpteen times. I don't think he's going to be a DC. I think he. I'll say this. I'm calling it now. This is my bold prediction for the year. By the time we get to SEC media days, Will Muschamp is going to be involved with the SEC network in some form or fashion. He's going to be a media guy for at least a year, if not a little bit more. And. 
goes the last miles route. Is that's where it seems like it's just become a tradition now where these guys take a year off or so, go do the media stuff, and then they take an opportunity elsewhere. It feels like that's the way it's – I mean, Les Miles did it. John Gruden, it took him about 10-plus years, but he finally was able to get another job back at the Las Vegas Raiders. But that's a different conversation. I think these splash hires, it's not where it's supposed to be. I, I think like the spl- is to me, splash hires could wind up blowing up in your face in a much more significant way and getting that, that big – Bright Light's name, whenever he fails miserably, like a Bopeline, like a Mac Canada, those names will just absolutely blow up in your face. He needs to be able to get a guy that is going to be pretty darn good. And I think a guy like a Patrick Tony, while he's probably not a number one, he should be in that consideration of, like I'd say, the tier two guys if these guys aren't necessarily like saying, hey, we want to come over and be your D.C. But now we're going to go back to the Twin Peaks hotline. Michael on the Twin Peaks hotline. Michael, how's it going? All right, good. Good morning. Thank you for uh, taking my call. This is my first time call- calling in. Uh, I've uh, started listening to the show. I have uh, one question and one one comment. Uh, the question is uh, concerning, you know, in my tuning in, I hear so much talk about uh, LSU, LSU, but yet we have a local school here that's on the rise, and I hear very little about the program, the direction, and the accomplishments of, of this program. Uh, the second thing is, you know, I followed uh, a little of LSU's uh, for the last couple of years when Les Miles was there and the guy before Les Miles and and Edge Ogeron. And from what I recall, Ogeron was not the uh, first choice. I think he may have been maybe the third choice of coach. And I've observed him, and I my assessment is for him is that he's not an excellent coach along the level of a Saban. Uh, but I see him as an excellent motivator, and uh, he's been blessed with some great recruiters. Uh, so I think the problem really is is in the coach. Ogeron is not the level of coach, uh, and he's surrounded with great talent as a uh, Saban. So uh, I don't think that the school will ever get where it wants to get consistently because I think that last year was just a fluke based upon just talent. Uh, and we see what happened when that talent has exited and he has to coach what he has to coach with. Uh, the results of this year. So I think it's the head coach. It's not the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. I think we're looking at Ogeron as the coach as to where this program is and where it's going to get on a consistent level uh, as uh, uh, like uh, the other schools like Ohio State uh, and uh, Alabama and uh, Clemson. Michael, I, I like the take that you're having here. You know, I, pre- I appreciate the call, Michael. Do not be a stranger and keep calling in. And when it comes to the whole, like, we talk a lot of LSU here. And I think there's a big reason why. It's just what we've had. On a normal week, I get hardly any calls. This week in the first, like, segment and a half, the first half hour of this show, I've talked to LSU. I've gotten three calls. I love to talk Cajuns. I want to talk about the Cajuns until the cows come home. But here's the thing. And this isn't a knock against them at all. Sometimes when things are going good, it's like you have a hard time. You want to talk about it nonstop, but then you have the people who want to talk LSU. I think the LSU fan base, it's a lot louder on this station. I, I, I'd love to talk Cajuns. I was going to talk Cajuns in this segment, but we're pushing that back a segment because of the fact that the conversation wanted to be continued involving what's going on with LSU and the defensive coordinator search. That's the big topic. That's the big headline I'm wanting to open up the show with. 
I was going to bring up the Cajuns, and I'm going to do that next. So, so I'm like, I get it. I'm going to try and be equal party, but at the same time, when the train's rolling, and I'm getting calls left and right sideways, I'm getting four calls this morning, three of them solely on the conversation about LSU's defensive hire, what's going to be going on next with this program. Give that to me. I would love to have more of these calls. And I'd love for you, if you want to talk about the Cajuns game last night, if you want to talk about Cajuns at all, the Twin Peaks hotline is open. It doesn't just have to be about LSU. It can be about anything. Call me up right now, and I'll get to your thoughts. I'll get to your thoughts, opinions, and so much more. Because we got two hours, baby. we got two hours leading up to the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. All right here on 103.7 The Game. Thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League. A triple header starting tonight with some really good ball games. We get some thoughts on those in hour number two. Right now we're going to take that quick timeout and we'll talk about what's going on with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns last night when the lights went out in the dome. It definitely was interesting to see that last night. Back with more after this right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Seating may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay up there and starve it. Now back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Yeah, I don't know how. I think the, 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 the lights only came on for a few seconds, if I remember right. I think it was only like three or four seconds at most, and then they went off, and the, the regular lights were only missed the last shot. Right. So, I mean, like I said, if they make the shot, they're not complaining. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Just make sure you keep it locked right here. The Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111. If you want to continue the conversation about LSU, defense coordinator job, it's open. If you want to talk about what happened last night at the Cajun Dome, you can call us up right now, 337-706-0111. The floor is open to you if you want to talk about any of these things and so much more. But we're going to start with the Cajuns last night. My goodness, the night the lights went dim. It didn't, they didn't go out like, like Vicky Lawrence said in Georgia. And the team that the Cajuns were taking on last night was the Little Rock Trojans. And it was probably the most unusual and strangest moments I've ever seen in a Cajuns game. And I wasn't even there for it. That's the crazy part because I could have been there, but you know. I was here doing Ben Love show till seven, so I was able to kind of see this on Twitter. And everything came out as it happened, and I wound up seeing the video. I'm gonna go ahead and break it down for you if you haven't seen it yet. By the way, it's amazing, and go check it out. So Little Rock is going down the court with about 11 seconds left in the ball game, and just as they set up for the final play, they're kind of dribbling around half court, about 10 seconds left, and he moves up. He's about to set up for that final final play. Of the game, light suddenly dimmed down, went red for about, I'd say, three seconds. I want to hitting the stopwatch. And typically they go down and it turn, everything turns red once the clock strikes triple zeros and the game's over. And the game continued on. And then Little Rock shoots one at the buzzer. The lights came back on after three seconds, and they shoot it. It's a brick, 
And the Cajuns improved to 2-1 and one in conference play with a 66-64 win in one of the most bizarre ways I've ever seen a game end. And after the ruling had been made, third-year head coach for the Trojans, Daryl Walker, came unglued and basically needed to be restrained by Cajun Dome security because he was saying all kinds of words. He was definitely not a happy camper. And justifiably so because, honestly, the way it should have been handled was stop the clock once the lights go out. And then once you get them back going and you're able to kind of get back into your mode, you set yourself up for a lot of opportunities. I'm looking forward to seeing how this could be handled in the Sunbelt front office after this weekend because I'll say this. Darren Walker is about to give all of this stripes those hands real quick because he was hot as all get out saying all kinds of words that you can't say on the radio. And he just had to be restrained by Cajun Dome security. I also saw a police officer in there. It was absolutely unreal to see that last night. And all that because the ref should have stopped the clock and once the lights went down and then resumed play right after. Like, make sure to give him the ball back with five seconds left. And the Sun Belt even admitted they total fault in this in a statement released last night. Quote, the Sun Belt Conference works tirelessly to maintain an officiating program of the highest quality. The conference office and our members have high expectations for the work of our game officials. Unfortunately, the last few seconds of Little Rock at Louisiana this evening were not managed properly by the officiating crew. Play should have immediately been stopped when an issue with the arena lighting occurred. The crew should have awarded Little Rock the ball out of bounds with five seconds left to complete the last sequence. Regrettably, this did not occur. Officiating is a very difficult job, but our schools, players, and coaches deserve the best, and we will continue to strive to meet that standard. End quote. The way this is handled is absolutely abhorrent. Another example of, you know, some of officiating on the whole has been like very weird and Bush League esque. And that's sad. Because of the fact you're partnered up with the SEC, where the SEC just means, you know, more. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next with these guys. I feel like there is a chance where after this weekend, they're probably going to be suspended. They're going to get reprimanded by the conference, probably suspended because. That's not the way you should have handled that. They they know like that should be like known. If lights go out for any reason, stop the game. And I think Little Rock should have also kind of paused and just said, okay, well, the lights are off and look at the refs. Be like, hey, refs, like, you see this? We can't we can't see. Like, that could have been done. And you could have probably had a situation where, you know, everything's taken care of. It happened. And move on. But everybody who wants to complain about it, it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Start a new game like five minutes after you play the final five seconds? What are we doing? It happened. Move on. This isn't like pro wrestling here where you can restart the match when the heel gets the win by nefarious means. Call stands. Move on. And the best part about all this is they play each other again tonight. Wasn't sure I'd like the new schedule format for the Sunbelt Conference, but this is a prime reason why it should be adapted, adopted, I should say, going forward. Because if there's controversy, bad blood brewing from the night before, the game is going to get rough and rowdy, and I love just having all this fun. And if the Cajuns could pull it off again tonight and not have a dusty finish, the Cajuns really set themselves up as one of the big dogs in the conference after splitting their series last week against a Texas State team that got absolutely red hot to end the second half last weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing is going to go down. 
when it comes to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the basketball team. Because I feel like this is a year where they have a chance to really do some good things. Their only losses on the year are to Baylor and Texas State. Like, think about that. Think about that with Cajuns basketball compared to other years. Now, yes, you've, you've had to kind of play largely, you know, your, your in-state teams outside of that Baylor contest. But still, you were able to come away with some really, like, and yes, you like, just looking at the schedule. Let's be honest. Outside of UNO and La Tech and McNeese, you played LSU, Shreveport, and LSU, Alexander. Those should have been wins regardless. But the fact that you only have two losses and they're against Texas State, who looks to be pretty darn like decent, I think, whenever you look at the Sunbelt Conference. I mean, they aren't necessarily – they're 7-4 and four on the year overall. I think there's every chance that they could be considered a really solid team. They're, now, they're off this week due to COVID-19 protocol. But the Cajuns, App State, Little Rock, and Coastal Carolina, and of all teams, Yulman Monroe, are actually towards the top of the pops when it comes to Sunbelt Conference basketball. And that's great to see because that's more fun to talk about than, you know, the Cajuns being a middle-of-the-road type team, which I hope that's not going to be the case. And they can beat Little Rock and prove themselves to be one of the better teams in the Sunbelt with this current construct that they have. And I think they have every chance to really make waves because they don't have to deal with the Coastal Carolinas. They don't have to make the long trek up to Conway. You get, I mean, your next two series are against Texas Arlington, UTA, and Arkansas State. Then you travel to Texas State at the end of the month. I think this absolutely sets up really nicely for you over the next, if you can win this game, you play against a 1-2 and two right now Texas Arlington team and then in two weeks' time, you're playing an 0-2 in conference play, 3-6 and six overall. So you go from playing like, like some of the bigger dogs, some of the better, some of the like more upper echelon teams in terms of the way I would look at it in the tier list, to playing some of those bottom dwellers. Give me that versus, you know, dealing with like the Coastal Carolinas and the App States of the world. App States actually looking really good. That's like credit to them. Shout out to... App State, because App State for a while, especially on the, on the basketball side of things, they underwhelmed on a lot of different fronts. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the Cajuns play the rest of the way and, you know, give it equal time to LSU basketball. Credit to them for managing to figure out how to get this done in this crazy COVID season. Going from preparing for a trip to, you know, a trip to Como to take on Mizzou on Saturday to making a trip up over to Oxford and doing that in less than like an hour. That's freaking impressive. So we're going to take a quick timeout. But tell us some college football national championship talk because I didn't get to that yet on the show. Mind you, because we've had a lot of LSU conversation. We're pushing things back a little bit, but why not talk about that and more next you're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037 The Game.com. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, I suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. This is uh, quite an honor. 
to be in the national championship game. You know, we're obviously very excited to be here. This is something that uh, our guys you know, fought so hard to have this opportunity, and now we're here. Unbelievable uh, opportunity to play. You know, a great program. So much respect for Coach Saban and his his staff and the players and, and their tra- you know, traditional winning there. So, you know, really looking forward to a great week of preparation as we work our way down to Miami. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday morning. I was saying Saturday afternoon because I'm so used to saying, you know, Saturday afternoon because usually on from 11 to 1. But of this, a day when Lewis is on vacation, you know, we've got a show going on from 9 to 11. So, yeah, we got that going on. So that's nice. And then I've got, you know, everything else going on. And I'm I'm just looking forward to what's going on with the national title game this Monday night. It looks to be an interesting one. And, you know, just the fact that we got to this point. I mentioned it with high school football. The fact that we're at the end game is amazing. Seriously, COVID be damned, the college football season is reaching its completion. Back in June, this felt like an absolute pipe dream. I love the fact that we've gotten to the end of the road. Were there snags here and there? You're damn right there was. But at the end of the day, we got to this point. And Monday night, we are going to have a national championship game. It's going to be a really fun contest with Alabama's high-octane offense against Ohio State's really like well-rounded team for the most part. But can they overcome potentially being without Justin Fields? I feel like there's an absolute chance that he won't play That'll make this an extremely lopsided ball game. Also, I just want to see the Buckeyes fall after all the grief, along with they, along with the Big Ten, have given us all this past season. The conference just sat there and dug in their feet when it comes to the decision. They're saying there's no way we could have the season with this pandemic going on. But once they saw all the money that was being made and everybody was playing and everything was fine, they decided, oh, hey, we're going to go ahead and play along and set up a mini-season, and the Pac-12 changed their tone real quick as well. And the conference decided to throw out some smoke screens this week about the current status of the team heading into this game, using Dan Patrick as their Paul Heyman, if you will, with him saying you know, they were probably going to postpone the contest until the 18th because of their absurd protocol of like two and a half freaking weeks for getting out of the COVID protocols and the COVID jail. I understand you're protecting the players, but their policy is absurd and a hindrance towards a title game that is looming large. That's absolutely easy. You cannot push back this game. I think it'd be a lot like the Super Bowl. You need to have this game go down. Don't care how it's played. Like if Tom Brady comes down with COVID in the Super Bowl, I think they'd still play the game. Like, oh, hey, yeah, well, we're going to do this. It may not be the best in terms of the ratings, but guess what? If they... The NFL is going to push forward with this no matter what. And the college football season is pushing onward with or without some players and some teams. But again, thank goodness they were able to have more than enough players for Monday's game. Everything is full steam ahead for this game. Now, if Fields plays Monday night, that's a horse of a different color in terms of the actual ball game. But we might not know until tomorrow afternoon who's going to be playing a quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So right now, I feel like Alabama is just a better team from top to bottom, and I fully expected to hit the over under seventy five points. 
I'm blown away that a national title game has that kind of over-under, but that's the modern game of college football for you. Two of the best teams, two really solid offenses, especially if Fields comes back. If he's not 100% healthy, I think Alabama gets into the national championship by the score of 56-35, especially if Jalen Waddle is able to play. I wound up seeing some stuff before I came on the air that he's likely a game-day decision. Bama just feels poised to win and win big. I really hope this comes to fruition because I don't want to talk about a national championship with a team that played only eight freaking games. I understand that they can't be blamed for the decision that Kevin Warren made, but I can make sure they're like a pinata and just start beating them with a stick. Again, the fact that they got to this point is something that should be celebrated because it's yet another thing that, that proved the Corona Bros wrong. All these people are yelling about how there's no way the season can be played in the middle of the pandemic. And I'm in, I wondered a lot from time to time if they could do this, if they could reach the end of the line. But lo and behold, here we are. And we should be celebrating that. And hope we can do the same with the college basketball tournament that's taking place entirely in the state of Indiana. Great move, by the way. As well as college baseball. Because don't forget about that. Next month, In the next month and a half, we're going to have college baseball. And as a huge fan of that, I cannot freaking wait. So hopefully you can't wait either for our number two of two of Under the Dome with C.D. Ross Jackson joining the program at 10.30. We'll talk about those New Orleans Saints. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the NFL wild card. I also got some odds and sods that I'm going to have to start off our number two that I was going to end the hour with here. But, you know, again, the calls are coming in hot and heavy. Back after this on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome everybody to a hour two of two of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully, you have a great one so far. Coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Right here in the campus of Delta Media, which houses KOWB 103.7 The Game. Okay, I'm going to done with the Jordy stuff. But, you know, hopefully you're enjoying the show. Appreciate you listening and however you're doing so. Be it through the FM dial, the old school FM dial, the free mobile app, 1037game.com, or even using your Amazon Echo, your Google Home, your smart speakers. This is 2021. I think everybody's using those these days. Before we get to, you know, what's going on with the NFL postseason, because i got a lot of thoughts about it, I'm going to go ahead and do a quick reset here. And if you want to call up about anything, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. And, you know, I was bringing up last week about the Texas coaching job. And there was some news coming out about that earlier in the week involving Corey Raymond. Apparently he was going to be 
the next secondaries coach. Again, you got to think if you can pull that off, that'd be absolutely massive. Because I think there's every chance where Texas absolutely would love to have him there. Because he is an absolute monster in terms of recruiting. But that didn't happen. Looks like, lo and behold, Corey Raymond is going to stick around at LSU and not go to Texas. But Texas did get a really good safeties coach and passing defense coordinator and probably a really good recruiting guy in Terry Joseph. Terry Joseph, a New Orleans native, was recently the Irish safeties coach and passing defense coordinator for the Fighting Irish. So I think this is huge, and this comes from footballscoop.com. This is a really good hire from Steve Sarkeesian's staff. This is even before he hires a DC at this point. But it's absolutely really cool. And, you know, he, and this is coming from NBC Sports saying that, you know, the soon to be former Alabama OC was not dismayed by Notre Dame's passing defense from that New Year's Day bowl game against in the CFP semifinal. But again, I mentioned the fact that he has New Orleans ties. He knows the South really well. And I think that is a big reason why I think that's a great hire. Because if you want to wind up competing in the SEC, competing in the Big 12, you need to be able to recruit the South. And having that guy there is huge. And I don't know if Steve Sarkeesian knows the South really well, but the recruiting hotbed that is Texas is a lot different than recruiting in Alabama where you're trying to just basically rip off the five stars from Louisiana. But I feel like having that guy is huge. And also some other breaking news that's kind of popped up over the last you know several minutes is Urban Meyer could very well be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And according to Adam Schefter, this just came out moments ago, is Urban Meyer and the Jags met Friday night on Shad Khan's boat in Florida. I can only imagine him. AEW owner Tony Khan was also in that number as well. But Urban Meyer, possibly the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That'd be entertaining as all get out. And Schefter also mentions he's been assembling a coaching staff right now, including some assistance from the college ranks, should he decide to become the Jaguars' next head football coach. So it'll be interesting to see if this actually does happen. If Urban Meyer becomes the next head coach of the Jacksonville football Jaguars. Because you have probably a lot of intrigue with this job because of the fact that you're going to get the number one pick in this year's draft. And you get the possibility of picking from Trevor Lawrence and picking from another really good player. In Justin Fields. Which one does he take? I don't know. But if you take Trevor Lawrence or those or the other one, you know, Justin Fields. Either way, you are potentially having a new franchise to really work around and set yourself up for a lot of success going forward. But I'm looking forward to what's gonna happen next with that storyline. Then we also had former Cages head coach Mark Hudsmith. And I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. It definitely got interesting. Former Cages head coach Mark Hudsmith coaching high school football in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Yes, you heard me right. That is an actual thing in 2021 we are talking about. With 
this man, a guy who just, I'd say, six, seven years ago went from being considered for, at least according to the media, I'm going to go ahead and say that much, being one of those guys that people talked about a lot. Watch out. He could very well get a Power 5 job. A Power 5 job is looming for him to being fired from UL, going to be an assistant for a year at Mississippi State, then gets then steps down from that job, takes over for Austin P, leads them to their best record they've ever had, and then gets fired for, you know, or steps down, I should say, due to things that happened. I'm not going to say what. You can probably Google it and figure it out yourself. But, yeah, an interesting career arc for former Cajun head coach Mark Hudspeth. And also, one of the other big storylines from this week, or last night, I should say, Jakari Carter resigns at LCA. This was reported by George Faust. Also, a lot of other people put this up. He initially mentioned he was fired, but according to other reports, and Faust also retracted this, saying that Carter resigned and the Knights even said as much in the release. It's wild to see this come out late Friday night, and it's crazy to think that this also has happened. I don't know the why. I saw somebody bring this up on Facebook. I don't know the why. I am staying out of it. I'm just reporting the facts that he has, or the facts that have been presented to me on January 9th, 2021, that Jakari Carter has resigned. But now we're going to go out to the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Uh, I don't. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go back to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars situation. Uh, you you mentioned that uh, Urban Meyer, you know, according to the report, if he gets the job, he might take the other guy. Um, wow, I, I don't think that um, man Trevor Lawrence is number one thing. That's no that's no thinking about taking a guy. I don't care if he coached that guy or not. You saw what happened in uh, DC Wednesday, right? Let yeah, no, pick, let yeah. them pick. Let them pick anyone other than Lawrence, and you see what happens in Jacksonville. Come on, man. You know, they, they're picking Lawrence. Lawrence is, a, is the number one quarterback. They're talking about that for the last two years. No, so yeah. I don't I, see anyone. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the only thing is that it's – I mean, thankfully it's an AFC South team, not an NFC South team, because, you know, Trevor Lawrence seemingly is cursed in the in the Superdome. He definitely has not been able to play well in the Superdome the last two go-rounds. So, I guess. But all I know is, though um, – I want to see what's up with this guy. You know, he's been hyped. I've never seen a guy so hyped. He's hyped. He's hyped up. Let's see what he does. And the, and the thing about Urban Myers, this, this is this is trash. Once again, the NFL shows you what it's all about. Urban, what what quarterback Urban Meyer produced that has done that, that, that has done anything in the NFL? And I don't want anything about no Alex Smith. What what what, what quarterback has he? Well, he hasn't really – and don't say Cam Newton because he didn't really coach you. Who, who, no, exactly. Cam Newton did not – yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't count Cam Newton. I mean, technically, I guess, if you want to get technical, I don't know, I'm a, my guy Chet Yoder, if he's listening out in Shreveport, would say, you know, Tim Tebow 100%, but I don't count Tim Tebow because right, – I have to go. You have a good day. I appreciate it. But, I, again, I think he's going to wind up going with, you know – the right choice and go with the right guy, and that is your guy, Trevor Lawrence. Because the hype around him is real. I feel like what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence outside of like a couple of ball games, he has proven himself to be one of the better ones. Now, I think he needs to bulk up a little bit more because I think that he could very well get torn apart 
by NFL defense, especially if you don't have a good offensive line around you. Just look at Joe Burrow. Just look at Joe Burrow from this past season. Just go look at him. You tell me that that guy who LSU put together numbers that were very much PlayStation 4 offense, not quite PS5 offense, you know, but that was because PS5 wasn't around and nobody's playing Madden on the PS5. But anyways, so I think this is an absolutely a PlayStation-esque offense with Joe Burrow. Could say the same thing about Trevor. And I hope Trevor does extremely well. But I'm interested to see where this whole thing goes. And interesting you bring up the whole thing that happened on Wednesday. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch that with a two hundred foot pole. I'm just gonna leave it at that. This is a sports show. I appreciate the call though. 337-706-0111. You're listening to Under the Dome with C D. And the NFL postseason is an interesting one. And I'm gonna get to that next. Because I've got some time, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about the NFL postseason wild card. We can give you my picks to click for this weekend. Because trust me, there's a lot of really good ball games. We'll get to that next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules, and we will break up. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Shout out to the Rat family. And some breaking news just popped up on the Twitter machine. It's more baseball side of things. I'll talk about that briefly. Kyle Schwarber going over to the Washington Nationals one year, $10 million deal. This is kind of, kind of popped up. It's a pretty decent name, but it's not Francisco Lindor-esque. But that's about all the baseball talk that I can handle, for at least today. Because I've got some other thoughts on the state of involving uh, the NFL playoffs. Coming up in this segment, I brought up Tre- Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields debate just a little while ago. Just because I wanted to kind of say, I think, there's a chance, and I think this is a big hypothetical, that if, you know, the, I'm just going to say it, if you see Ohio State pull off the win over Alabama and Justin Fields plays and he's 100% and is able to be ready to go for this big game, I think there's every reason why a lot of program, a lot of franchises need to at least think about picking him and think the Jaguars because they had the first overall pick they could have a if again if this happens I think Justin Fields out of all the other guys that have been at Ohio State over the last few years guys that Herb Meyer coached at Florida I think they have much more potential he has much more potential than any of those guys especially the guys at Ohio State Cardell Jones, remember him? Like that wasn't he wasn't a true like pro style quarterback. I mean, he didn't fit well in the pros. You know, a lot of the guys they had at Ohio State a couple years after that. I mean, the Saints had an Ohio State quarterback that just kept being like yo-yoed on and off the practice squad like nobody's business. So I think there's something to be said about Justin Fields. His draft stock went pretty well up just in that game against Clemson. Because it was a dominant performance. And I think that really speaks to it. 
I think Trevor Lawrence is still going to be that number one pick, but I think there might be a chance where there is some conversation in that room about Fields. And Fields, for what it's worth, previous caller said it's like, you know, he was more developed at Georgia and really got his finishing school, if you will, over at the Ohio State. Don't forget that Fields is over at Georgia, and Fields is a hell of a hand. You gotta remember that. And Urban Meyer was nowhere near, nowhere near Ohio State at that point in time. So we can't just say, you know, it's a guy that, you know, I think Fields absolutely can be a big, big name to keep an eye on and be more of a pro-style type quarterback versus the stuff, the guys that we saw in the not-too-distant de- not future at the Ohio State University. Gotta love getting calls from random numbers during my show. Get the hell out of here. Probably that's telling me about my expired warranty, or extended warranty, or some stupid crap. Don't you just hate those calls, right? I mean, if you want to call me out, the Twin Peaks hotline is open, not my private number. 337-706-0111 is where you go. But in the meantime and in between time, it's time to get down to brass tacks involving the NFL playoffs. In the league where they play. For pay. We start things off in the snowy lands of Buffalo with the Buffalo Bills hosting the Indianapolis Colts. The Bills currently seven-point favorites. And I think this is going to be upset special. I think it's the fact that I think the Bills need just one more year of seasoning. I think they're, they're a piece away from being a dominant force inside the NFL. But we got the Colts and the Bills. Give me the Colts pulling off the upset. We'll pause the conversation about the NFL wild card, but we'll keep this awesome music going because I love to hear the music. And we'll talk with a caller on the Twin Peaks hotline. Probably talk about the NFL draft. Hey, how's it going? You're on under the dome. Morning, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. How about you? Doing great, man. Listen, uh, best of luck to the Saints. I'm not a Saints fan. I am a Bucks fan, so... To all the Bucks fans that might be listening, go Bucks! And uh, hope you guys have a great weekend, man. Have a good one. I appreciate the call, man. You know, we'll get we we'll get to the Bucks matchup in just a little bit, but again, I'm going to go ahead and drop my pick right now for the winner of the AFC Wild Card matchup between the Colts and the Bills. I think it's Indy gets the win. Old Man Rivers gets to survive another week, but not much further than that. Then we get to the Los Angeles Rams. Traveling to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Is Jared Goff ready to play? That's the million-dollar question. Seahawks currently listed as three-and-a-half-point favorites right now. I would be surprised to see if that line goes up a little bit more, especially once we hear about the inactives for that 3 o'clock contest. I think that Goff isn't going to be ready. Cooper comes back, but if you don't have a true your QB1 ready, it's an uphill climb. So give me the Seattle Seahawks, get in the win, send the Rams on home, on down the line. And the fact that the Rams, I kept mentioning this a lot during you know the South Alabama days when um, uh, Joey Jones was the head coach, consistently inconsistent. They just never were able to rack up a lot of consistent wins and be able to look like a contender. One week they were, one week they weren't. That's the Rams story in 2020. And their season ends 
with a disappointing loss to their rival in the division, who is a little suspect. I think they'll wind up dropping their game next week, the following week. But we'll get to that in a minute. Tampa Bay at Washington. Tampa's currently listed as eight-point favorites, one of the largest spreads in this thing. i got to go with Tampa Bay getting the win here over the Washington football team, as much as it pains me to say it, because I don't want to deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs, because you know that whenever you have Tom Brady in the playoffs, it can be very much no holds barred. I don't want that to happen. But again, Tampa Bay... Give me them over the WFT. Then we get to Sunday's action of the triple header, which, by the way, you can hear all these games right here. Right after I'm done, we're going to go over to my Westwood One for NFL coverage from 11 until God knows when. When that final horn sounds for game number three between the Tampa Bay Bucks and Washington football team tonight, it all starts up again tomorrow at 11. And at noon, we get Baltimore at Tennessee. The Ravens, one of the only road teams outside of Tampa Bay, set at three-point favorites, taking on the Tennessee Titans on the road. This is an upset for me just in terms of the, the way the spread is. I think Tennessee wins and covers that three-point spread, and they look absolutely fantastic in this ball game. Derrick Henry is going to be the key to this victory. I think it's going to be a game where they kind of just say, we're going to go ahead and do the San Francisco 49ers 2020 playoff run and just run the ball and really eat up time of possession. Because if you do that against this Baltimore team, you're going to win. Because I feel like Baltimore, a lot like the Rams, they have shown themselves to be suspect in a lot of different fronts. So give me Baltimore, Tennessee winning and covering the three points. Then we get to... The Chicago Bears, the Bears, travel over to New Orleans. Ten-point favorites are the Saints. Who that, who that, who that say they're going to beat them Saints? I'm sorry, Big Cat. I'm sorry, Seth Rollins. Well, I'm not sorry, Seth Rollins. But the Chicago Bears will lose. Seth Rollins will hate football again. And the Bears will probably fire Matt Nagy at the end of the year. Yes, boy, oh, boy. They need to figure out the state of their union right now. So give me the Saints getting the win here. But I do think the the Bears could have a chance to cover if Drew Brees isn't like at his highest level. I don't think Michael Thomas plays, but I feel like we see a lot of Alvin Kamara in the wide receiving role. You have that entire run running back room back, it's be huge. And also, please give me Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Javon Wims, part de. Just give that to me now. Give me what I want, NFL, and give that to me. I would love to see that. And then we get to the final match of Sunday Night Football with the Cleveland Browns taking on those Pittsburgh Steelers in a rematch of Week 17, kind of, because Pittsburgh will be back to its full strength. Cleveland just can't stop getting the COVID. Cleveland, without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, yeah, the special teams coordinator going to be that coach. That should be interesting. So for me, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they cover. But I feel like their playoff run isn't going to be for long. I just feel like that's where we're at. Because I think Pittsburgh has been the most suspect team in the league. I think there's every chance where, you know, I'd say out of all these guys, 
the Colts could very well have a run against them. Because Pittsburgh has been absolutely suspect all year. They lost the freaking Bengals without Joe Burrow. That tells me a lot about the Steelers' potential. I think the Steelers win this one, but they aren't long for this world. Of course, it's if everything goes according to plan, because they would play, excuse me, they wouldn't play the Colts. They'd be playing the Titans. That would be a big loss, because the Colts would play the Chiefs in round two. And then the Saints would play, I believe they would play Seattle if Tampa beats WFT. Because they would play, because the Saints would play the higher seat. And for me, I'd probably say right here, right now, the NFC title game is probably going to be the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints in a rematch of week three. And on the AFC side, I think it's Chiefs-Titans. I think it's Chiefs-Titans. I feel like that's the way this is going to be, and this could be a lot of fun to see that. Super Bowl matchup? Screw it. I'm doing it. Saints-Chiefs. Super Bowl matchup. And this is a guy who said they were going 7-9 after week three. And I'll admit it, I was dead wrong. I was dead ass wrong about that seven and nine crack. And I'll I'll fully admit, it, I'll own up to that. But I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing goes. I'm gonna go with the Saints, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Chiefs win it. Very close ball game. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Drew Brees goes out on a relative high note. It doesn't end on the storybook ending like Peyton Manning did, like Ray Lewis did. It ends on an underwhelming note, but the fact you got back to the Super Bowl, I think that's more than enough for Drew Brees to say, hey, you know, it is what it is, and pass the torch down to Patrick freaking Mahomes. I'd love to see that because I think that's absolutely what needs to happen. All right, it's under the dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game, 103.7 The Game.com. When we come back, we're going to have on our guy, Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast. And Canal Street Chronicles is going to talk about those New Orleans Saints. Maybe we'll talk about that Nickelodeon broadcast. I haven't wanted to get into that. We'll get to that next right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Back after this. Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. Filling in for one day only. We're taking over from 9 to 11. Next week, we'll be back from 11 to 1. That's when, hopefully, we'll be having our good friend of the program, Ross Jackson, back aboard the Twin Peaks hotline following a Saints win over the those Chicago Bears. But right now, we're going to preview that matchup against Da Bears right now with the guy to talk about, with those new, about those New Orleans Saints. Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, what is going on, my brother? Hey, brother, doing well, man. Glad to be here with you. Uh, yeah, very much hoping that uh, we'll be you know, doing this again next week after a uh, hopeful Saints win over Dub Bears. Oh, 100%. Now, now, the real question is, before we really get started previewing the game, 
How are you, how are you going to be watching this game tomorrow? Oh, on Nickelodeon. Thank you. Was there a Thank question? you. Was that, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> was that supposed to hesitate? No, I'm 100 percent watching Nickelodeon. I, I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll be 100 percent honest. I, I, on the on the on my laptop, I'll probably be watching it on CBS because I'll need to do you know personnel tracking and, and yeah. all my stuff for you know work and whatever. Uh, but on the big screen, it, it's Nickelodeon <laughs> for sure, a hundred percent. How cool is that? Like, because I was kind of anticipating it to be maybe the NFC East, like whichever game like Washington Football Team is going to be playing. Because <laughs> that'd be a lot of enough, isn't it? Ex- no, it's just the fact like the they're playing. The, it's the tank division. Like we all know how much of a right. joke the <laughs> NFC East has been. It's like why not? Why not have like one more like like giggle and have the Washington Football Team be on that? But lo and behold. <laughs> The Saints got the Nickelodeon game, and your video, your, the reaction to you on video of that was amazing. <laughs> by the way, yeah, Deuce and I were really excited about it, man. Um, yeah, we were we're so excited about it, and I think it's cool because you know the New Orleans Saints are just such a fun group. But I mean, you look at the two teams that are probably having the most fun right now in the NFL, and it's the New Orleans Saints and the Buffalo Bills. And to, to see the Saints get there, especially after you know the the good feel of. The, the end of the year, you know, the, the storyline of Emmanuel Sanders getting his catches and, and everything. Like, the Saints, they, they do enough, and they have a lot of fun at home and, you know, the touchdown celebrations and everything. It, it is a good choice to, to go with that franchise. Uh, and, and then you get a history franchise, too, for kids that maybe, you know, are being introduced to, you know, the NFL for the first time. You get a history franchise with the Chicago Bears. I'm sure they'll lean into that. They'll lean into the story around the New Orleans Saints, too, who, you know, probably have a little bit of a, you know, very likely can have a little bit of a superhero narrative behind them in terms of facing adversity and coming through it and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Like, the narratives and the the storylines that are around both of these franchises really fit, I think, what you would want to have there. As long as C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Javon Williams don't get into a fist fight on the field, I think it's a good choice for for Nickelodeon. No, we need to have a fight. That way, they can superimpose like like the yes, yeah, you, you know those right, old school right. like like. All right, here, here's what they should do with this. I, I, I'm just you know exactly like like the Batman you know like the Batman like 50s 60s sound effects yes. and everything. That'd be awesome. And then again, they could just use like the Mermaid Man or Barnacle Boy theme songs. They do have the rights to, which is like, which by the way, like did you know that a lot of the music they use on SpongeBob, it's like. NFL themes, NFL film stuff. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, the I, I didn't realize this till like a while back that uh, the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy theme song is Sam Spence. Like he made that song. No, that's yes, crazy. Oh, exactly. Like it's, in it, a really cool way. That's exactly. So it's really. <laughs> I hope they just use that. Uh, use the Sam Spence production music for that because again, I think Nickelodeon would have yeah. it be in their rights to do that. But now, mm-hmm. like, like. You know, we're going to continue to have fun with this because I think this is just entertaining as all get out. So, like, <laughs> have you heard who the announcers are going to be for this game or not? Because I haven't seen anything. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's Noah Eagle, who's the, the son of uh, Ian Eagle. That oh, that's cool. That's the, cool. Yes, broadcast. Yeah, he's going to be there. And then it's going to be Nate Burleson, uh, who it, it's, which is really awesome. Good morning football, of course. And he does a weekly podcast that just wrapped up, which features Emmanuel Sanders. It's Emmanuel Sanders, Nate Burleson. Uh, Eric Ebron and uh, Jamal Adams, and so they've been doing one episode. It's a 17 weeks podcast. They do one episode a week all throughout the season, and so he already has kind of this close standing relationship with Emmanuel Sanders. So that'll be pretty cool too. 
Oh no, that's gonna be wild. It's like I'm I'm just disappointed. Like like Noah Eagle, Nate Burleson, that's really cool, but how can we not have like Mo from Guts being the rules <laughs> analyst in this? Like what happened well, to her? That, I'll be curious to see if they do anything like that, right? Where you get like, you know, surprise analysts and stuff from like the new cast of I know there's been some talk about the new cast of all that being involved. No, course, no, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll. We, 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 no, it can't be the new cast. You've got it. You've got to be the original. <laughs> Keenan, you just got to have Keenan and Kel. That's all you need. You know, you have like, all right, what they needed. Oh, I, I'm like the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm really wanting all this to happen. Is like a pick six, a kick return, or like a big like deep ball touchdown. Like uh-huh. whatever you know, it's gonna be a touchdown. They just play like a sound effect of Kel going. Oh, here it goes. <laughs> I like that. I also like the idea of Chicago wearing their alternate orange jerseys. Yes. So they could say, who loves orange jerseys? Kale loves orange jerseys. <laughs> is it true? <laughs> it's true, it's true, it's true. Like, I would love all of that so, so, so much. It'd be so darn cool, I'm not going to lie. But, again, I just, I'm just i interested to see how this whole presentation is going to be. And, more importantly, who gets dumped with the slime? Because it – that's the that's I know Sean Payton jokingly was saying after like to when he wins gets dumped with the slime, but I feel like the slime should be the loser, right? Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking about too. Like uh, I, usually the you know you get slime because you're eliminated from so like that was the uh, that was the the old game show and everything. Um, I, so yeah, I kind of thought about that. So my hope is you know. The, the Chicago Bears is an entirety. But <laughs> I think they're going to do slime and, like, the, you know, superimpose slime in the end zone and stuff like that for the touchdowns and everything. So I think it's going to be incorporated in a bunch of different ways. It'll be interesting to see, you know, you get the you get the Gatorade dump on the winner usually. So yeah. how maybe they translate it that way, you know. I mean, it'd be way better than, you know, the Tropical Smoothie Bowl where they were just oh. basically dumping the, <laughs> the, the, the smoothie on them or, or – or what could have been? I don't know if you saw that or not. The Duke's Mayo Bowl, and everybody was so interested to see if the if the Duke's Mayo was actually be dumped on a, a coach. Oh, disgusting! I hate yeah, it, it turned out to be water, so and we, were, we were. I think they were happy about it, but at the same time, you're like, "Come on now! Like, you're gonna tease yeah. us with this and not give it to us?" Right? Yeah, they guess there has to be that too. Like, if you're gonna set up that horrendous display and tease it, then you have to at least follow through. You can't make me envision that on my own and then hold me accountable when it doesn't happen because I pictured it. Like, that's unfair. All right, let's have, let's get to the actual game because I think that's why people are listening to this program. <laughs> so, all right, so so looking at the, the Saints-Bears matchup, I think the Bears are just a very different team than what we saw on November the 1st where I felt like the Bears mm-hmm. were set up for a lot of great things and then they just turned out to really truly be the frauds that I kind of thought they were. And mm-hmm. they've really proven themselves to be that way, losing some of their – like limping down the stretch but the fact that you've got Mitch Trubisky in the house how much does that change the offense yeah it changes it a bit I mean you know like I think that there's truth that both of these teams are very different than the last one that they faced off of course Mitch Trubisky I think is the kind of the highlight of that uh, for the Bears you know you go from having a, a Nick Foles offense Nick Foles run offense which is going to be a little bit more standard pocket passer uh, run the ball until you can't anymore, which happened pretty quickly to them. And, you know, Nagy's really quick to, to run away from the run game anyway. And then all of a sudden you transition back to Mitch Trubisky, who gives you a little bit more. I mean, he gives you the mobility. He gives you some of the, the containment issues, your challenging containment of defenses. 
challenging, mostly within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage in terms of the passing game. But he's getting a little bit more comfortable in the intermediate area, down to 15, 20 yards in the line of scrimmage. He's getting a little comfortable there, and what's helping him with that is you know outside zone play action that allows him to sort of uh, run the boot action that way so he gets more time. It moves the pocket. It resets the defense. It resets the center of the offense. And then it ends up giving him more time to be able to uh, see and really in detail figure out what the defense is doing. So it, it buys that offense a lot more time to, to try to exist. So I think that that's part of it. His ability to extend, extend plays will be a part of it. And then I believe, too, that with Mitch Trubisky, you'll see a greater focus on ball control and the run game to try to set up, set themselves up for more of those drives like what you saw them open up with against Green Bay where they went 14 plays for seven minutes and then also scored seven points by the end of it. The, the issue will be if that's the style of the offense and they have to be able to dictate the game for four quarters, which I don't know they're going to be able to do up against the Saints offense. Who's the biggest X factor on offense for the Bears? Because it feels like to me it could very well be David Montgomery because he has absolutely come mm-hmm. alive the last few weeks. Yeah, I would say if it's not Mitch Trubisky, it's definitely David Montgomery. Um, you know, and I would be willing to throw Darnell Mooney in that conversation too. But I don't know if he plays. He, he didn't practice throughout the week. He's questionable for the game, which for the New Orleans Saints, when it comes to opposing wide receivers, usually means that they play. Uh, but since we don't know if he's going to play, I'll mention uh, David Montgomery. And I, I think a big part of that is that I mean, he's able to run from you know he's able to to pick up yardage anywhere from, through the line of scrimmage. I mean, he averages. Over, I think it's 4.9 yards up the middle, right behind the center. So that's David Onyabata's world. He averages around 6.3 yards around the offensive left, so around the left tackle on the outside zone. So they do a really good job at mixing in both inside, outside zones, and then using that as a means of creating some, you know, different varied looks in their play action and boot action plays to buy Mitch Trubisky some time. So I think a lot of the offense is affected by whether or not David Montgomery is being effective in the game in terms of, look, you don't need to have an effective run game for your play action to work, but it certainly is more effective if the run game is, if I may say, percolating. I love the fact you bring up percolating. <laughs> and, you know, looking at the Saints, obviously, Alvin Kamara going to be Odds are probably going to be busted out of the COVID jail, activated for tomorrow's <laughs> contest. The real question is: is like how much of a role is he going to have after not being physically at practice? Because I can about imagine: yes, you're seeing how the game plan is going to look, but knowing, hey, like you just aren't. It's a, it's a big difference between practicing in your living room versus practicing on the field every day leading up to a playoff contest. Yeah, yeah, it's really challenging. And, you know, the Saints have tried to do some things with technology to sort of innovate the way that they incorporate him into practice all throughout the week, finding different ways for him to, you know, increase his level of participation beyond just Zoom calls, getting him field video, everything like that. And so they've done some really interesting things to try to keep him, you know, as involved in the game plan as possible. But I do think that there's a reality to where, you know, if there are certain plays that they have scripted, that maybe he's not in for all of those scripted plays and that, you know, he's in for a lesser degree of those. The fact of the matter is that when it comes to Alvin Kamara, the good news is that once the play is called and the ball gets into Alvin Kamara's hands, it no longer matters what the play was because Alvin Kamara will just make whatever needs to happen happen. And because they do so much of the split zone run to where they'll they'll operate on the offensive line as if it's a you know, usual inside zone type of thing where you're double teaming trying to climb up, to the second level, things like that, and your your block your blocking assignments are um, are assigned by position or, or by gap. Then what they'll do is that they'll bring a tight end from the opposite side over to take care of the backside defender that they'll leave unblocked. And so 
that's something that the Saints have been running with Alvin Kamara. That is going to be an advantageous pursuit for them in terms of you know getting the run game going for producing in the run game against Chicago. They're susceptible to that. So I think that what they're going to use him for, he's already most first in anyway. But you might see some of those things that are, you know, the two-minute drill that might be, you know, could potentially be a little bit more Ty Montgomery than it is Alvin Kamara, for instance, because those are scripted plays. You could see more of the opening drive, the opening offensive drive, be more Latavius Murray because they're scripted. I think that those are the places where you might see his involvement drop down. But the more that he's on the field, the better for the Saints, especially because, you know, I mean, he knows this playbook and should be able to plug right in. He really should be. And, you know, talk right now, Ross Jackson locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. And you bring in the two-minute offense. Should mm-hmm. the Saints just stay running in the two-minute offense? I know. I think we talked about that last week, but it's just something I've been, like, really thinking about. Yeah, it's, it's a challenging thing to do for a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, one of the, the reasons why the two-minute offense is so effective is because in those final two minutes, as you're running that over and over again, you end up, charging the opposing defense to keep the same players on the field uh, the entire time. And, and and if nothing else, they're staying in the same set. They're maybe trying to, to substitute as quickly as possible. But the defense can only substitute if the offense decides to substitute so they can match personnel packages. And so that's what makes it challenging about running it all through the game. There's also fatigue. There's also, you know, it's not it's not an efficient manner in terms of, the gameplay situation and game situation to run that all the way through because now your possessions are becoming, you know, one, two minute, one and a half, two minute possessions as opposed to taking time off the clock, five, six minute possessions, and then you're throwing your defense back on the field rather quickly, especially if you aren't converting and you end up going three and out in that up tempo speed, then you end up, you know, potentially having as little as a, you know, 40 second possession and that can be tough on your defense throughout a game. And, you know, I'm just, interested to see how this whole thing is going to work, especially since the whole running back room is going to be back. If I'm not mistaken, Latavius Murray was at practice this week, right? That's correct, yeah. He, uh, Dwayne Washington, and Michael Burton all returned early this week. Okay, I was just wondering because, again, like it's it, like this whole thing is weird to navigate, and the fact there was contact tracing, didn't know if they were still underneath the 10-day clock or whatever. Right, yeah. So because they were deemed high-risk close contacts but never tested positive, their clock started on a five-day uh, IR. Set, okay, basically. I got you. So, yeah, so theirs was only five days, so they that's why they were able to come back early. The, the issue with Alex Mayer, of course, is that he tested positive and then was a confirmed oh, of positive, so his is 10 days. Yeah, I was I was just wondering because, it's, again, it's such a weird thing to There's try. so and, like, many different yeah. scenarios. <laughs> it, it's, it's confusing as all get out. But before I get you out of here, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to throw this one out of here because I haven't seen a lot of debate about this on Twitter. Power rank the Saints unis. Oh, that's great. Well, for me, the as in the ones that they've they've used this season, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Not all time. I'm like, let's just go right. This year's unis: the color rush, the black and the all black, the black, yeah. the, the white and black, the white and gold, the black and gold. Like, let me know. Yeah, I would definitely go color rush at the top, all blacks. Uh, white and gold for me, and then it's those icy whites they call them. I, I know a lot of people are big fans of those. I'm I'm okay with them, but they're not you know they're not my favorite. Um, and then do they still do black black and gold? I don't know they, with the gold pants. I don't think, I don't know if they've done that in a while. But that would probably be my rankings for those. So color rush, all blacks, uh, white and gold. I like that combo for week 17, and then the the icy whites, and then any black and gold combo. Ross, uh, let's just all admit it: the gold pants are lucky, right? 
the gold pants are like like you know you, you kind of those are those are your Sunday best. <laughs> <laughs> those are the exactly they're the Sunday best, and the Saints are playing Sunday on best. Sunday. But all right, I, th- I think we talked about this maybe during the off season or whenever it was announced that they were going to have a, a game simulcast on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Dream commentary team involving Nickelodeon like all stars, if you will. Like all time for me, can yes. I use animated characters too? Or just, yeah, yeah, go ahead, just, dude. Hell, uh, hell yeah, dope. let's have fun with it. Dope. Uh, real quick, I realized I forgot the white and black unis. So the white and black, like white jersey, black pants, goes in between all blacks and I got the uh, and the white and gold. Um, I would probably throw. I have to have SpongeBob in there because SpongeBob's like all time Nickelodeon for me. So SpongeBob would have to be in there. Uh, actually. SpongeBob's a good sideline reporter because yes. I don't want to hear that voice. I he's, don't want to he, hear him. He's in the booger you know mobile. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear him the entire game. I'm, <laughs> I'm tripping. He he goes on the sideline. Um, I need a little bit of I need a little bit of uh, uh, of like adversity in in there too. So I think I would probably go maybe. Who do I want to pull in for that? Because I need like a bad guy to hate to not to not be a fan of in the booth. You know what I'm saying? Um, maybe that would be. Does Mandar count? Can I use? Well, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say. I mean, you know, if we're gonna go Nickelodeon, I'd say SpongeBob's a good sideline. Roger Klotz could be in that number. That's a good. That's a, there we go. There we go. That's a good one. It, it's um, is the heelish commentator. I think it'd be great for a color color guy. Now, now it's play by play. Play by play is tough. Yeah, that one's tough because you need somebody that's really analytical, that's going to understand the game. I can think of some really good Cartoon Network characters, but I'm trying to think about a good Nickelodeon character to do that. So maybe, maybe then, maybe then we go to all that instead. Mm-hmm. All right, There's somebody in the all that cast. What you got? Like, if we're gonna go, all right, all that cast wise, I think of course it's Keenan and Kel. Like, we got to put those as, like as, as, as your yeah. as your play by play team because I think, and you know, Keenan. Would have a lot of fun with it and probably break out right. the impressions. Maybe maybe not the Bill Cosby because I mean, twenty twenty one. Right. We we don't need that. We don't need that right now. Um, yeah, I think Keenan and is the all time like the best possible scenario out there for sure for the commentary booth, and then just keep SpongeBob on the sideline. Ross, you got to have him in there. Yeah, Ross, I think that's it for me. That's good. Ross, thank you so much, <laughs> my man, for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Take care, man. All right, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Ross Jackson Nola. Back after this, wrap up the show, and then we got NFL right after that. Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Going to keep it short and sweet here because we got to get to the NFL in just a moment. But my final take of the show is going to be Joe Brady, whoever's going to take him as a head coach, be it the Houston Texans or anybody else, is going to get a guy that's going to make a team a contender in the next three years. That's where I'm at. I'm out of here. Have a great rest of your weekend. Now we got NFL coming up in just about two minutes. Back up to with football. I'll be back at my regular slot next week, 11 to 1, right here on 1037 Game, 1037 Game.com. Under the Dome is done. Peace.